What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek here with you for a listener mailbag episode. Let's Derek, go. how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, you know, a mailbag. We... Are, are you mentally prepared for all the, that our audience has to offer? Uh, no, but I, I'm just, I guess I'm encouraged that we have an audience, that we have people who That's not only fair. like reach out to us, but listen to us faithfully, I think is really, really cool because I definitely, when we started this, anticipated like we were doing this and like my mom and wife were going to listen. Maybe. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, quick question of the day, and I didn't prepare you for this, so uh, I'll go first maybe. Uh, quick question of the day. Who is the most famous person you have ever interacted with, whether that was in person, over social media, uh, you know, phone, I see whatever. Jesus does not count. No, uh, no, we won't count Jesus on that one. You go first. All right. So I, I could throw out a few here, not to name drop, but, um, uh, I did, uh, when I was in high school, this is maybe a reference that some people won't understand. You remember the evolution of dance video? I do. Uh, so when I was in high school, uh, I had a like phone call and and a couple interactions back and forth with the guy that created it, because um, I was trying to set up my own kind of thing for our youth for a youth event that we were doing, and so he helped me like you know put it together and do some software stuff and stuff for us. So that was really fun. Um, I remember getting up in the middle of a high school class, I think it was biology, and just walking out the door because he called me, and I stood in the hallway of my high school talking to him for like 20 minutes. That's epic. Uh, it was super random. Uh, I also uh, had a brief conversation with, uh, I think his name is, I, I should look, it's like something Hamilton. Uh, he Alexander is, Hamilton? No, I was going to say Scott Hamilton, but he is a, a Formula One driver. And what? that's not it. Uh, Matt Hamilton. There it is. He is a uh, 2018... United States Olympic gold medalist in curling. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> also had a brief back and forth with Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin on The Office. That, that one, that was that's, that's the better of the three, but uh, I like the Matt Hamilton one because nobody curling. knows how to respond. Yeah. Listen, I remember that Olympics, and the gold medal that they won was like a huge upset, and it was like a really cool moment. It was like a come from behind thing. It yeah. was really cool. So I'm boring. I really don't have a ton. The phones that come to my mind are um, I have interacted frequently with a silver medalist, a two time silver medalist in BMX racing because Ooh, they both. Nice. They both they both, the the BMX track that I used for 18 years of my life in St. Cloud, their parents owned the track. Sure. And so, like, they were kind of like celebrities around there. And then my mom got really close with them. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it went. Do you have names you're going to drop for yeah. us? Or is this uh, just... It was formerly Elise Post. She's a female. But now she's married to Sam Willoughby, who was a medalist, who actually got paralyzed doing it, which is kind of crazy. Well, that's not great. No. Uh, but he did before then, obviously, get his his medal, which is cool. Um, a, a few other mentions. Uh, I'm not sure if you watch. Um, I think they're off the bench, or yeah, off the bench. They're they're those those two guys who just like they make a bunch of hockey videos, and they're just a bunch of goons, and it's hilarious. Haven't they, seen it. They were at the Red Bull Crashed Ice mm, event, yep. which was really cool. And there's one more I was thinking of. 
I can't remember what it is. It obviously wasn't that that important. That yeah, big. well, but, it happens. You know, I'm I'm just not that I'm not that big of a deal. Well, and the so, reason that I bring it up is because you know when when we have listeners that yeah, email us, sure. and we respond. That's how they feel, of course. Uh, interacting with the huge celebrities that we are. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, 28 episodes in. This is this is this podcast is taking off. Absolutely. We have tens of listeners all across the country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, with this episode, we got a, a whole bunch of listener questions. And really what we just want to do is fly through as many as we can uh, in this uh, in this episode. And we would love to continue to do episodes like this in the future. This is you know, probably my favorite kind of episode is just you know hearing from listeners and answering questions and uh, doing some just talking ministry. And so, uh, I, we're gonna, I'm just, we're, we got a huge list here and we're just going to go down the line. I'll ask a question to Derek. He'll ask a question to me and we'll see how many of these that we can get through. So Derek, I'll start off, uh, right off the top. Uh, how do you think through, uh, you know, when it comes to messages, how do you think through what you're going to cover, uh, with your students? Like in a calendar year? Is, uh, yeah. is that assumed? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, we t- mentioned this briefly in the last episode, but there are, there are really good seasons that you really can emphasize uh, certain things. And yeah. so, you know, the fall, as you're coming out of the summer and it's it's a new school year, it's really kind of a new season. And so a lot of my messages are about like commitment and like digging in and being a part of something. Uh, winter usually is a, is a uh, how you doing? Because like like winter can be a tough season. It can be on the cusp of... You know, two major holidays, it's cold out, it's dark out, seasonal depression's a real thing. So it's just a lot about like a Jesus' is love, Jesus' is grace, Jesus' is mercy. And then uh, in the spring, it's really kind of getting a re-ramped up of like, let's go all in, let's dig in, uh, let's let's go after God and finish strong and really kind of, you know, we have a big spring give and everything. And so um, that's like big long-term stuff. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it. I like it. Week to week and month to month, it kind of just how the spirit leads, you know, uh, within that certain framework. So, uh, Kyle, how far do you plan your messages out in advance? Not as far as I'd like. All right, next yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, accurate. It is. Uh, it depends. Um, you know, like right now, I have a pretty good idea of what we're going to be doing for the next probably six to eight weeks. And uh, about halfway through that, I'll at least about halfway through that, I'll start looking at uh, what we're going to do beyond that. Um, but it it kind of depends on the season, uh, you know, that we're in. But one of the things that I am gearing up for right now is uh, kind of expanding. We had this past summer, we had an intern, uh, and it was awesome. Loved him. Judah was great. And so what I'd like to do in the future, what, okay, you're distracting me. <laughs> Derek is in our show doc right now, and I think he's trying to format something, but no. he cannot figure it out. And so it just all keeps changing. So, so you, you did something really cool or you crossed out the question. Dude, it's after. literally just a strike through command shift X. It's not that hard. <laughs> oh no sorry well, that was just super distracting well you're uh, welcome but i as it what i'd like to do is have three different internship opportunities throughout the year you, you just deleted the whole question <laughs> uh fall spring and summer like have three different uh interns throughout the year and yep. then you know have them you know one of the things that i'd like to do with our interns is is help look ahead at, at what we're doing yep. and, uh, have sermon series, 
uh, kind of outlined uh, well, well, well in advance. Uh, all right. Question back to you, Derek. How much uh, does like a student's age and psycho? I we should mention, by the way, that we did. This isn't just haphazard. We did kind of group these together. Yep, hundred um, percent. So if we ask a bunch of questions about it's, messages it, it, here it, at the it, beginning, it just helps the flow. So it's not like it's how do you true. do this? And then like, what's your how favorite do you, Teletubby? How do you peel a banana? Oh. Wow, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was two really random directions. <laughs> Okay, so before we get into this next question, Derek, <laughs> I feel like we have to answer. Uh, one, how do you peel a banana? And From two, the bottom. which is your fi- what's the bottom like? So, so you, you think about the long, skinny part of the, st- of the stem that's yeah. in the cluster. I always flip it upside down, like the monkeys do. Okay, it's easier just to pinch that and then peel it from there, and then you get to like. So spiders, when they lay eggs and bananas, do it at the tips. So I actually like tear both ends off a banana and not actually eat them. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> wow. Um, you can thank my wife for that one because okay. I used to eat it like normal. I peel it from the top like a normal human being. Yeah. I ate a banana like a normal human being. And then my wife's like, have you ever seen spiders? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, have you seen the spiders that come out of bananas? No. She showed me and I'm like, Ugh. like that's disgusting. And so then like they literally live in the tips of the bananas because there's a space between that and the peel. So well, ever you since know then, you know, I've just... Tore off the tips. I got to say, uh, some of us have seen Spider-Man and think that that'd be kind of cool. So I mean, haven't you I'm seen gonna, that insurance commercial? I'm going to keep going. That, okay, that is hilarious. <laughs> I love that commercial. Um, look at this, Derek. Command-Shift-X. Oh, look at that. Strike through. Got to love me some Mac shortcuts. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was sweet. Learn something new every day. Uh, now actually my favorite way to peel a banana is if you take it by the stem, if the banana, like you, it can't be, it has to be the right ripeness to do this. But if you take it by the stem and you kind of whip it forward, it like (laughs) almost automatic, it like peels it without even having to touch it. It looks so so extra with something like peeling a banana. It looks so cool. Uh, and the uh, second question: Nobody has a favorite Teletubby. They're all terrifying. False. Tinky Winky is superior. <sighs> They're all terrifying. We can all agree that the baby in the sun is a oh, subject worst. of nightmares. The worst. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, okay, uh, Derek. How much does like a student's age and psychological development factor into the topics and style of delivery that you choose? Wow, this is a loaded question. Yeah. I mean, everything. Is, is that fair to say? Uh, you know, I quite honestly, if if I had my, if I had the same message that I wanted to preach to high school, middle school, in my dream world, I would preach them separately to separate groups. Because like middle school usually likes more half-hearted jokes about farts and poop and peeing your pants and that type of thing. <laughs> and and that's not a, a dish or a, di- a dish. Nice. Not a dish. A di- <laughs> it's not a dish what? against middle schoolers. But, you know, like high schoolers, like that turns them off. Like they're kind of like, okay. like I'm past yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, and it's the same thing. Like I had an, an amazing youth parent reach out to me who's like, hey, when do you talk about like sex and human trafficking because uh, I have a sixth grader. I haven't had the birds and the bees talk yet. And so like you have that and then you have the high schoolers who they might be sleeping around. Like they might be like struggling with, you know, pornography or even, you know, 
acting on those impulses. And so like, depending on who I'm speaking to really determines the type of topics I go into, how I present those topics. And it, it it's, there's a lot that goes into yeah. it, you know, like I don't have the luxury of splitting them. And so sometimes you kind of got to split the difference, mm-hmm. but you know, it definitely, there are different tactics to both, you know, groups and demographics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so kind of with that in a, in a semi-related, you know, vein, Kyle, the question is, and this is another long question with a lot of stuff in it. Uh, this, this particular person who asked this question is quite thorough, which I like. I do enjoy that. To what degree, Kyle, do you push topics you know your students need to hear and learn about versus pulling topics you realize would be relevant based on what's currently going on in the world in your students' lives in a given moment? So I I enjoy the the vocabulary that like the push and pull. Yeah. Met, like I, I like that image. Um I yeah, it's the <laughs> do I do you preach you know, a message on this one exact topic and just basically make eye contact with the one student that you wrote it for (laughs) the entire time. Uh, I think there's a balance. I think that uh, there are definitely some topics that need to be talked about. I remember, uh, I guess it would have been this past fall. uh, And I think that I I talked about this uh, on the podcast earlier or at some point. I don't know. We've been doing this for so long that... (laughs) It's yeah. been like four months, but you know. How long has it really been? Uh, we started in August, so September, October. Well, we, five this, months. This is 28 episodes. Almost six. And we've been regular. So yeah, six months. Crazy. That's impressive. Uh, we're we're big time, man. We were big time the moment we pushed record in episode Amen. one, though. So. Amen. Uh, living the dream. Uh, no, I, there was one uh, back in October. Uh, or I guess it would have been November with the election, we were in the middle of a series and I took a one week break from that series and kind of talked about the election because of how much uh, just b- hatred was yeah. was going on. And, uh, you know, that was that was kind of one of those moments where it was like, OK, I need to I need to pause. And this is something that that we really need to talk about. Um this is the moment of truth, Derek. Oh, he figured it out. Look at that. Didn't delete anything. Got the strike through. I'm so proud of you, man. Let's pick one more. Cause there's, there's a lot of questions here. I want to pick one more out of this particular category. And then All right. go on to the next one. Oh, so there's pressure. So I got to pick a good yeah. one. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Um, I, like I won't answer. I won't ask that one. Cause I kind of just talked about that. And this next one is how often will you revisit or reuse something? And we kind of just did an entire episode. All right, on so that. new category. Uh, hold like on, it. what's the last one? How much time and effort goes into planning a sermon? Ooh, interesting. So there's 23 minutes from my driveway to the church driveway. So I usually wow, have, you got that mapped out. I usually have about 23 minutes from when I leave my house on a Wednesday night at 4:30 to yep. figure out what I'm yep. talking about. All right. Asked and answered. No. Um, how much time and effort goes into planning sermons versus planning messages that your students will see throughout the week on social media? I don't do anything on social media. I don't anymore. either. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take this question in terms of planning sermons and how much time and effort goes into it. It really depends um, in terms of how the message comes together. Uh, but I'm starting to spend less time trying to create messages and more time of just letting God's word kind of speak for itself. And then just talking about that word. And so, you know, from there, it depends 
you know, how much time goes into the commentary. If I really understand that pastor, there's a lot of good stuff and God speaking like really quick and really fast and a lot, then yeah, it takes an hour, two, three. Um, you know, there's been times where I sit there and I, and I process and I go over it and you know, it's five, six hours. And so probably another one of those questions where the answer is not, not as much as I want, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could do more. Um, but you know, especially in the reality of my coming, you know, coming change. Um, yeah, it, there's, there's only so much time in the day. So, yeah. um, that kind of segues Kyle into message prep. We've had a few people asking about like how we prepare our messages, what that looks You'll like. You'll bring it on. Question one. Ignore that I just said that. I regretted it as soon as it came out of my mouth. As you should have. Um, where does message prep rank for you amidst all of your other priorities, specifically Ugh. in terms of how much life change you believe it can impact and your various workloads? Oh, there's a lot that we do, contrary to popular belief, on any given week. Um, Mondays are typically... So Thursdays, I I typically like to end Thursday with at least an outline of the message the following Wednesday, if not a little bit more than that. Mondays are usually my big sermon day. Um and so I think it's not really a ma- it's not really a matter of prioritizing for me. It's it's just the routine, honestly. And you know, getting into the routine of hey, this is what I do on this day. This is what I do on that day, and you know, kind of going from there. Um, Quick question: What happens if, hey, hypothetically Monday you have a huge sectional meeting and you have to go meet with a student after? You mm-hmm. just bump it, or do you? Uh, you know, knowing ahead of time, I'll maybe do a little bit more the previous Thursday or, uh, you know, otherwise Tuesday, like Tuesday is when our staff has our staff meetings. And so, you know, Tuesday morning, especially, uh, you know, is taken up by that, but, uh, Tuesday afternoons, oftentimes I have some time that, that I can devote to that. Um, Derek, how much input do you get on a message before you preach it? Uh, not as much as I'd like. You know, it's and the theme it, it is, and a lot of it is my wife works full time, um, and so we try very, very intentionally to not um, bring too much work home. Uh, th- there's a lot of it that goes with it. Um, you know, uh, I don't share with my youth leaders necessarily ahead of time. I, I, I let them know where we're going. I let them know, yeah, like what we're going to be doing in any given night. Uh, but I really, I really don't. Um, in terms of weekly, like I don't, sh- I don't share it with anybody every week or anything like that. Every once in a while, I'll just kind of ask, like, "Hey, will you go back and listen to this message and see, you know, how it lands?" Like, if I'm going too fast, so I'm speaking too quickly, like that type of thing. But I really don't get a ton of weekly feedback uh, from my message, which probably is something I should change. But currently, I don't do anything. Um, when and where, Kyle, do you message prep? You know, you kind of mentioned when, but my office on Mondays. That's it. Honestly, yeah, like that, that's that's I I am not the pastor that like goes to a coffee shop and sermon preps. I I one I don't like coffee, but I I, I also just I don't know. I don't I don't really like that. Seems incredibly distracting for me, and a process that should take. 
Like if I'm going to sermon prep for four hours today, if I go and do it at a coffee shop, like how does that not take you 12 hours instead of four? Because it takes 12 hours if you have people coming into your office interrupting you all the time. Not if you cultivate, like I have, oh, I agree. the aura of being such a curmudgeon okay, I don't that nobody anymore. wants to. I don't agree anymore. <laughs> but no, I, I, I know what you're saying. And so like I, I used to be that way because my office is like my sanctuary. And it's like, but you get to that point where someone swings by church and needs your undivided attention and you're getting pulled But see, that would happen in a coffee shop too. Like some some random person you know walks into the coffee shop and you guys wind up talking for 20 minutes. Eh. I put my... See, here's how I do it. I go to a coffee shop not in my hometown. So people I know aren't going to be there. I put in AirPods and I just go to town. Oh, see, so I put it, my headphones in. I just do that in my office. It, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, yeah, there's no right or wrong, but... I don't think so. You're wrong and I'm right. Oh, well, that <laughs> took a different turn than I wanted it to. <laughs> Oh, it's all good. Jerk. Okay. Uh, am I asking a question now? Yep. Um, let's see. Let's see. Do I use Oh, do, this is toilet a paper great over question. the top or underneath? And the and the answer is over the top. What? Why? <laughs> you know that's a big debate. <laughs> Wasn't there uh those guys on TikTok that the one guy mentioned that he like fully stands up? <laughs> Before he <laughs> we, we are <laughs> Please, for all that is holy, ask me a question. <laughs> uh, Derek, what's your process for loading messages oh, into your brain? Uh, how a- do you... Asking me about my brain is not, is not a good thing. <laughs> well, I should... Okay, I got to read this now. He says, do you go over and repeat sections of the message in broken down chunks? And the word chunks just <laughs> took me back to our previous conversation. Uh, or do you think big picture and go over the entire message broadly when you prep? Maybe while Derek laughs, I should answer this question first. Um, you are disgusting. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> but no, honestly, I I do probably have a more unique way of looking at sermons because I, I memorize I, I rarely, if ever, preach with notes in front of me on a piece of paper. Um, I did it a couple weeks ago, and I didn't like it. Paper or just anything? Paper. Uh, the the one thing that I will do is uh, I will integrate some of my notes into ProPresenter, and I can get Got them it. up on the confidence monitor at yep. the in the back of our youth room. Yep. Um, but even that is not much. Uh, I... I find that I can connect with people so much better if I don't have notes that I'm staring down at the entire time. Yep. The more time I... And I do this better some weeks than others, but the more time I can spend with my sermon material on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yep. uh, the, the better the sermon is on Wednesday night. And on the surface, you're like, well, yeah, no, duh. But... I, I basically memorize most of what I want to say. Yeah. And for me, I had to go back to the original question just to make sure I was understanding it correctly. Um, loading messages into my brain, uh, a lot of times, like I joke, but a lot of times as I'm thinking through the message, there will just be like big concepts that I begin to just process through of like, okay, this could be good. Like I, like I kind of, again, I start with, 
I either start with one of two things, either a scripture that I believe God wants us to walk through or just an overall direction guy. I feel like God's calling us to go and then finding scripture yeah. that speaks to that. And But from there, um, it kind of just is like, as I'm thinking, processing through it, just kind of whatever comes to my brain, um, just kind of just gets written down. And then I, I sort through the word vomit as time goes along and just kind of, it's kind of like a funnel. It starts very wide and very broad and then slowly gets more and more specific as we go down. I like it. All right. What do you got for the next my one? My question or yours? You're up. Kyle, how do you gauge feedback? We talked a lot about feedback I don't recently, care about feedback. Right? And integrate that into how you communicate. So, like, if somebody comes to you and says, Kyle, you're really boring when you speak. Or, you Fair. know, your messages are too deep or not deep enough. Like, how do you how do you gauge feedback? And then, like, how do you bring that into practical application? I think the first question is asking who the feedback's coming from. Yep. Um you know, if, if the feedback is coming from, you know, somebody who complains about everything or the feedback comes from not necessarily somebody that I don't respect, but you know, there, there are, I mean, there are times where somebody gives you feedback and you're like, yeah, I like respectfully, I'm not listening to what you are saying yep. because of who it's coming from. Yep. Uh, and so I think, you know, the first step is is uh, using a little bit of wisdom in that process. Uh, but beyond that, I will, I mean, any feedback that I get, you know, it's, it's taking it through the lens they are giving it and then, okay, how can I apply this to make me better without swinging too far in the direction of the feedback? If it's constructive criticism, hey, you should do this more or I didn't like this, whatever you know, not swinging. So if somebody says like, you know, Kyle, you're super boring when you preach, my response to that should not be, I'm going to start juggling during every (laughs) sermon or I like (laughs) swinging so far toward theatrical visual aid, you know, whatever filled with jokes that you lose the actual sermon in what just Dude, becomes a clown performance. I would seriously be all for juggling. Holy I have, cow. I've never done it, but I, I've always had the idea of like, is there a way that I could like get a, he- get a, like a head mic, a headset mic and juggle throughout the entire message, <laughs> but like come up with a way to integrate that into what I was talking about. Cause it would definitely keep kids attention. Oh yeah. But, uh, I, I, to this day, I have not figured out a good way to do it. And so therefore I I haven't, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll figure it out eventually. Um, how far out will you start writing an individual message before you preach it? I'm going to assume this is more than just an outline. How far out? Um, so what I do is I do quarterly, quarterly outlines. And so I lo- I go from again January. I'm using easy numbers. January first to Easter. How many Wednesdays do we have? When is spring break? Spring break is this Wednesday. We're off. I write off, and from there I start to kind of write down like general sermon ideas or sermon series ideas and that type of deal, and then kind of just like write down part one, part two, part three, part four. 
But then as, as we actually get up to those series, I'll write that specific message the week before or the week leading up to, um, sometimes what I love to do is like, if I'm finishing this sermon series after I'm done with that last message, I'll kind of go back into my general outline and give like a skeleton to each Mm -hmm. of those next four. And then the week of fill in the rest of the stuff in between the bones. Um, and that, that has worked well for me. It kind of gives you a good full picture, but at the same time, it also allows you to be flexible and relevant to like what's really going on and how your previous sermon series landed. I like it. Mm-hmm. Here you go. I feel like I'm curious to know your your stance on this one. How much do you think about the word choice in your messages, specifically like the vocab you use? Mm. Um. So like we we had a message recently where you know we talked about sin, or it it wasn't necessarily the main focus of the message, but you know, we weren't going to do this message without sin coming up. And so, uh, you know, taking a little bit of time to slow down and whenever I, I always try to make sure that whenever I use like what I, what I would maybe term as a Christianese word, um, to at least give it a little bit of an explanation. Uh, that being said, I rarely will shy away from using that word even if I need, like, sometimes I only take four seconds after I say it to explain it. Yep. Very briefly. Uh, you know, sin, disobedience from what God asks us to do. Done. And then I'll move on. But, you know, it... Do, do it, you say done? Because that'd be cool. No, I don't <laughs> usually say done. Uh, because our students are going to hear those words, yep. you know, either from us or elsewhere. And yep. so if we just shy away from using them completely, then you know, our, I, I think we're doing our students a disservice and then they'll probably get a wrong impression from right. somebody else right. as to what that word actually means. Um, let's see. Derek, do you want a hard question or an easy question? Um, I want a medium question. Uh, to what degree do you go off script when you preach? I feel like we've answered this before. That's possible. We definitely did. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> but... If you structure your message and plan that this is probably going to happen, then it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, right? Correct. Boom, nailed it. All right, time for just a couple more. Um, I'll ask you one, then you ask me one. How's that sound? And then I'll ask you another one of one that I know has not officially been said, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay, well, that's terrifying. It should be. Um, How much this is this is going to be... Wow. Let, let's ask it this way. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take what this listener wrote down as a question and simplify. ask it my own way and they'll simplify it a little bit. Uh, the Bible is, is a good thing. I think yep. we can all agree on that. Yep. How often do you either bring other resources into your sermon writing process? Like, you, you know, you mentioned commentaries, uh, you know, how often will you bring something like that in? And then second half of the question being, you know, do you ever preach not on something that is strictly from the Bible? Does that make sense? Ish. How about you answer the first one first? How how much like commentary and other writings or other sources will you bring in? Yeah, a fair amount. I think... 
I think you should. Like, I think, I think it's wise. You know, I, I, we believe that God speaks through his word and I, I think that's why we, we read it. But at the same time, there, this book was written 2000 some years ago in a culture we don't fully understand. Even if we lived over there now, we don't understand the culture yeah. from 2000 years ago. And so I think there's a bunch of just small nuances and, and small things like I think that's that's one thing I really enjoyed about our Israel tour when we went, Kyle. I know we didn't go the same year, but uh, I'm sure you gathered the same thing. There is so much, like, massive, massive things that are just understood because it was written in a time when that would have been just common knowledge that we as a 21st century American don't catch because yeah. we're not we don't understand the culture. We don't understand the landscape. We don't understand what they were talking about. And so I think that's where people who are way more intelligent than I am do know those things. And so I think that bringing in other resources like commentaries or even people who are, you know, doctorates in in theology or, or some of that thing, it just, it creates some credibility and some accountability to making sure that any interpretation we're hearing is spot on. Right. Because, God's word is God's word. God's word, it's truth. And so even if our interpretation is wrong, I think that kind of helps catch uh, those those wrong thoughts. All right? Yeah, I like it. And with that, Kyle, uh, so I just mentioned I use resources. I presume that you do as well. Yes. Okay. So do you cite them ever? And do you cite them publicly? Do you, like, how, how does that look like for you? I cite them better than I do in our podcast, apparently. Uh, <laughs> no, I will. Um, yeah, I, I do my best to like, if I, if I'm quoting it, like sometimes I'll have like a quote that I'll put on, you know, on a slide and, and put whoever said the quote on the slide. Um, I won't always like, if I glean something from a commentary, uh, I don't always quote the commentary or cite the commentary in every single sermon. Uh, but there will be some times where I will you know, mention, hey, this book is a really good resource. This commentary is a really good resource that, uh, that I get out of, um, that I get out of, or I get a lot out of for my, for my sermons. Sure. Um, sorry, you guys, Derek is distracting me again because he's, <laughs> writing at the bottom of our Google Doc and he I fixed it writing with <laughs> the, the strike through strike through on this this strike through man is really just <laughs> it's making me look it's like causing a lot like of like problems. A baby boomer honestly all right Kyle I got the last question right here for you uh, what are your thoughts on including like references to things that maybe you enjoy I know we we spent the last episode talking about football we both love that uh, but like even beyond that, like like maybe things that are relevant or trendy in like in 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 teen culture right now. Like how do you go about including references, whether you should or shouldn't do that in your messages? Yeah, so I I lean much toward more toward the first side of that than the second side. Uh, there are youth pastors that you know. I remember when Stranger Things first came out, yep. and you know there were like really big churches in our area that were doing sermon series, like not 
not a sermon series on Stranger Things. Like this right. is the devil. Don't watch it. No, yep. like they were doing sermon series. You know where where whatever their sermon series was, they used the same graph or the same uh, font Fonts, as yep. the Stranger Things logo. Or yep. they did a sermon series entitled Stranger Things. Yep. And they you know it was about some of the strange things in the Bible. Like <laughs> you know it's not that much of a reach. Sure. But uh, I lean. And this, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong way to do it. I lean much more toward the other side of things. And what I mean by that is, like, I I think that, you know, referencing things that I enjoy, I think is phenomenal. Um, you know, I would be a little bit more hesitant to reference things that I know 100% that my student, it's going to go over their head. Uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, something from when I was growing up that they're going to not remember at all or something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, like I'm not going to get it super deep into football philosophies, like in a sermon. Right. Uh, but I think there's a lot of value in students seeing you talk about something that you're really passionate about. Uh, even if it's something that they might not necessarily have a really firm grasp of, uh, if you, if you explain what you're talking about enough to where the average person will understand the point that you're making, I think that's you talking about something that you are, you personally enjoy, uh, that, that passion that you naturally have for that is going to come through, uh, in what you're talking about. As far as things trending in teen culture, um, I tell my youth leaders all the time, do you have to be up on everything that students are talking about? No, uh, absolutely not. If you love them authentically and you are just yourself, then you're going to be far more effective as a youth leader than if you're trying to be hip and cool. Uh, I think it's wise for youth pastors to be aware yep. of of what's going on, some of the things that are going on yep. uh, in the culture of our youth students. But I, I think that it's a little bit overblown uh, you know, when, when youth pastors are told or, or taught that, you know, you need to do a stranger things yeah. series when that show comes out or whatever, you know, the new show is or the new song, whatever it is. I, I think that if that's not who you are as a youth pastor, then it's just going to come across as unauthentic. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 to your first point, I think it's almost validating when you find your youth pastor excited about something that's not mainstream. Just Jesus. If it's well, not it, mainstream. Well, yeah, but like, like even, Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. Like I think there's this assumption that like, if you really love Jesus, like that's, that's all you do. Mm-hmm. That, that's all, that's all your, but so like when you see someone who loves the Lord with all their heart, soul and mind, but also really enjoys fantasy football or theater or golfing or whatever it is, I think it kind of validates them that like, they don't have to choose Jesus or this sure. thing that they really, really enjoy. Granted, if their thing they really enjoy is smoking weed, then, you know, that's a little bit harder to reconcile. Yeah, probably. But, you know, I think, like, I'm with you. A, a big thing that was going around recently was Squid Game. Squid Game. Sure, you know? yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I tried to get into it, and I thought it was so boring. I, I, didn't, I didn't even watch <laughs> I did, it. I'm going to get, like slaughtered for that take sure. because yeah. so many people loved it but but you're not I, you're not doing a squid games sermon series but like you're no. aware that it's a big thing and that students are gonna be talking about it and you know it's yep yeah yeah no i think uh i think there's a lot of 
I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, but I also, you know, if, if that is you and you can be authentic and still do that, then, you know, do that. Go for it, yeah. But I think the authenticity piece is, is kind of what we're hitting on here. So, um, that, uh, that was a lot of questions, man. I think, uh, I think we did, I, I'd say we did a pretty good job. I don't, I humbly, I think I can you, say you, that. You did better, Kyle. He did better um, than I did. Aw, thanks, Derek. I humbly say that. Um, that, uh, that does it for our episode, listener questions on preaching. Yeah. Uh, for the most part in messages, uh, we'll have to do another uh, listener mailbag on you know, some other aspects of youth ministry events, um, lock-ins, why lock-ins are the worst a thing ever. A randomness question <laughs> bag that we get. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to do an episode on Teletubbies. Um, nobody's going to listen to that one. No, uh, we won't do that, but, uh, we appreciate you guys, uh, hanging out with us again on future listener episodes. If you want to, uh, if you have a question, uh, we'd love to connect and, and answer it before then. But, uh, if you want to make it on a future listener mailbag episode, you can reach us at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, but on behalf of my wonderful co-host, Derek, uh, I, I don't know. That doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. No. Seems my, my slightly inferior, <laughs> I was going to say slightly above average. Like if the average, we talked about a couple episodes ago, yeah. the average tenure of a youth pastor full-time is four years and one month. And yep. you have exceeded that. Four and so a half, yeah. You're a little bit past average. Not by much. But no. And I'm very average You're in almost everything. <laughs> Isn't that what we shoot for? Yeah. Just average. Bl- blend in. Blend in. If uh, I, what there's a quote that we're getting off track here. That's fine. Uh, there's a quote from the office. Michael Scott says, uh, you know, my mom once told me that, uh, ordinary people are the best kind and that's why God made so many of them or so, or average. It was something along those lines. What a I was great like, show. you know, it is a, it is such a great show. That was, that was, I loved that quote. I thought it was hilarious, but anyways, uh, on behalf of Derek, thank you guys so much for listening. And I think that it is just about time, uh, that Derek and I go read, uh, some more listener emails. Goodbye. Goodbye.